Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Is that your new resort? Is that where you're off to? Oh, with your fortunes you've made from that. Have I got to open that one now? Supermarket. (laughs) Looks like a supermarket to me. It's the big one. A perfect lead in. Five, four, three, two, one. G'day viewers and welcome to episode 93 of Radio Hotlap, that zany podcast that takes a light-hearted look at the world of local and international motorsport, cool and emerging technologies and barbecues, but roasts in winter. Or perhaps pizza barbecues, which we might hear about later on tonight from our special guest, Craig Dontis. How are you, Craig? I'm very well and thanks for having me and again, looking forward to sharing my pizza technology on barbecues so we'll see how we go <laughs> there'll be a very little chance of getting anything out of craig tonight because he's got his eyes on the nostromini coated chicken wingettes in front of him that are cooling slightly from a a fry up a fry yeah hardy's had a fry up <laughs> and my regular co-host jp is here with us yes hi johnny how are you how are you Good. I'm good. Any supermarkets been opening down the southeast this week? No, not this week. No, no, last week, but not this week. So uh, back to normal again this week. The rusty sausage is uh, suitably uh, relaxing outside in this lovely spring weather. <laughs> it is. It's been it's been good. What do you think, mate? Winter's past, Craig. About time. Looking forward to summer. It's a good part of the year. We've got Bathurst coming up. We've got uh, sun, so the girls are going to be out too, so I can't complain. But your wife's not listening to this. No, no, but she knows I'm a big fan of the girls, so it doesn't matter. You know, you've got to have them to promote the product. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. right. Whatever the product might be. Exactly. Now, uh, Craig, what are you having to drink this afternoon, mate? I'm having a uh, Cooper's Premium Light, um, which is not too bad, actually. Um, I'll probably have to scoot off to the loo at some stage, but going down well, so I can't... Well, we'll get Glenn on the phone. Come on, Glenn, <laughs> hand over the cash. We love the product. We Craig loves you too. Sorry we missed you at Balaclava, Glenn, but uh, it wasn't so well. And I uh, figure you were probably even worse after a day out there with Brocky and... Mm. A few others. <laughs> JP, what about you? What about me? What are you having? Ugh, oh, a Mexican light. Mexican light. Yeah, that'll be the day. <laughs> no, I'm still on the Cooper's Premium light as well. Been a good boy again. Very well. Well, yeah. I'm, uh, mate. Yeah, um, you don't have to go anywhere. You know, I don't, but I don't drink much beer anymore. No, in fact, I hardly in fact, ever I drink. I haven't seen you with a beer for ages. No, I, I just don't drink beer much at all. Uh, I'm having a Wirra Wirra Church Block 2006, a good old McLaren Vale Red. Absolutely. One of the local supporters like Coopers, eh? Now, Craig, you're a local boy, and uh, you're in the V8 Ute Championship for the second or third year running? Probably the third year now, so first full year, but third year in the championship and thoroughly enjoying it this year. Well, your year didn't start off so well, but uh, before we go into talk about this, you tell tell the, the viewers um, uh, how you've come through the ranks of motorsport. I, I, re- I first came across your name in uh, production car racing, and I think you were driving a VY V8 or something like that. Uh, yeah, one of those. Um, the pro car days? Pro car days. Many years yeah, ago now, right. I'm a 
an old young person, if that makes sense. So started in the usual sense, went out and did the sprint carts and uh, was lucky enough to have a father who was right behind it. So uh, went into super carts. Uh, oh, years ago now, actually my first major race was at the 1995 Grand Prix, so the last Great. of the Formula One races here. I was only a, a little whippersnapper there and got to run in a corporate cart, which was... What would you say? Not high speeds, but uh, yeah, on the big stage straight off the bat. So one of Michael Brock's operations, I, was just say, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. About Brocky, that was when yeah. Michael Brock got into back in the it, days so. when he picked up women. Corporate yeah, cuts. yeah. <laughs> he was probably a bit lighter. No, I shouldn't say that. Uh, he was, he was <laughs> in the hair, lighter yeah. in the hair. He was one of the big uh, pushes to get uh, lead put onto my cart. As we know, it's a <laughs> it's a weight game and a go kart. So uh, he yeah. was one of the big pushes. I reckon I weighed about as one of. About as much as one of his calves back then, so um, it was uh, tubes of lead to weigh it up. But yeah, it's super carts, and then lucky enough to jump into tin tops and race a little Suzuki Swift for a year, and then uh, build a Commodore. Went into production car racing and uh, never looked back. Went to uh, HSV Commodore in uh, performance car racing and had a few years off to recoup some dollars. As we know, it's an expensive sport. Uh, jumped into the Utes and haven't looked back from there. So enjoying it. Can't wait to get back out there for Bathurst. When we look back at the pro car days, they, they were really quite heady days of GTP racing. Um, do you think we'll see those days return or do you think there are just too many factions there are fighting for a slice of the pie and ends up no one winning? Yeah, it's a bit of a sad one. That was huge back then, back in the uh, GTP days. It was good to showcase actual showroom cars back to when it was back in the 70s. So. Look, I wouldn't say it would be up there again. You've got your Carrera Cups, you've got your Aussie races, your minis, um, also now your, your GT class as well. So there's so many categories vying for that uh, V8 supercar support role. It's uh, getting harder and harder to make it happen. And I mean, to Ross Palmer's credit, he backed it up for so many years, but there was a point where it had yeah. to had to go. And I mean, the biggest survivor of that were, were V8 Utes. And, and for us now, we've, we've been told we're one of the biggest support categories in Australia. So stay with what we know and um, keep building it I suppose. Absolutely look as, as much as a, a great supporter Ross was of uh, Procar you can only so you know you can only keep plugging Eagle Boy Pizza and Mega Mantis and, uh, and uh, Century uh, Batteries Century Batteries and Formula Green <laughs> yeah. out of your own pocket until you, you know your ego diminishes um, and but Ross did a, a great job there um, for sure and I'm sure you've you've um, rubbed shoulders there on the track with uh, friends of mine like, like Rick Shaw yeah, in the world's fastest RX-7. Rick Shaw. Yeah, that, that's uh, it. Yep. How do you talk about yeah, talking outside of But yeah, good old Rick, he, yeah. he did have a fast RX-7 even Very though fast. I thought it was a cheat. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so there's a few boys out there that are still there. Dennis Cribbo actually is making a return at Bathurst and uh, raced with him, uh, rubbed shoulders many a time with Dennis and um, yeah, so can't com can't complain. There's some good boys who are still in it, and yeah. there's some other boys we miss now, like a Wayne Boatwright and and um, a few of the other boys at the front, like a Jamie Cartwright, who made a return for a while. Uh, caught up with him in Queensland, actually, so he's looking a bit older. But again, good days back then, and probably didn't appreciate it as, as much as I would now because we got to race with some pretty uh, stiff competition. Sure, and yeah. our old mate International Paula used to do all the PR. He for that did series. do all the stuff yep. for Ross Palmer, but yeah, Jamie Cartwright. Well, he mm. would come. He would uh, be doing some co-driving overseas with Rick Shaw in uh, in some of those um, you know twelve-hour like Seapang twelve-hour races, and I think they did some Nurburgring twenty-four hours together. 
Um, and uh, who else did you mention? Uh, Wayne Boatwright, who's yeah. gone off to look after Drift Australia, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, uh, which is a um, unusual category in its own right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And Scotty Anderson, who used to run Pro Technica, he um, is a big part of that. And caught up with him last week. He runs the Hilux Heroes, and uh, they are a, a new stunt team that goes around, probably taking place of the Storm Riders. Yeah. And uh, they have these Hiluxes that go out and do jumps and sideways and drifting and all that uh, fun stuff that gets the crowds happy. So, yeah, nice people and, again, made lifelong friends. Yeah. Peter Floyd was always a wonderful character and, and Peter Fitzgerald, who I saw on TV the other day, has made a return to Porsche racing as well. So he's, uh, how would you say, not a long time retired and he's back into it already. <laughs> I think you know well enough that the word retirement is uh, cannot be used uh, uh, exclusively with racing car drivers. No. Once, uh, you know... They, the wife will eventually go, look, just get out of the house and drive the damn thing with you. I can't have you hanging around and That's moping right. around like exactly. this. Um, yeah, you just uh, that uh, triggered a, um, a story that I've just heard this afternoon, which isn't particularly good news. Um, the Hilux, um, about 2 o'clock, I had a phone call from uh, Jack Ellsgood, one of your competitors uh, there in um, V8 Utes, uh, to tell me that he had been down at the Dapto Speedway with, um, with Grant Denyer doing some uh, exhibition jumping of the monster trucks, so Jack with five five wrecked cars yep. and um, Grant Denny's had a go and had a, um, a, a really bad crash and uh, is in hospital with a suspected broken brack and a, uh, a compression of the L1 vertebrae. So um, that's not at all good news, no. it's only just come out mm. in the wire about in the last half hour. So um, we might get Jack on the phone a little bit later and find a little bit more about that, but that's that's terrible news and I hope, uh, hope you'll be okay. Um, on a positive note, uh, Michael Patrese needs a co-driver for Bathurst. Yeah. Yes. Um, but you will be last. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that? Well, you already did. Mm. There you go. Now, we'll get on to Utes later because uh, there's some interesting stuff I want to talk to you about Utes. But in the meantime, crunch in on a, on a, on a chicken, mate. Yeah, we do talk chicken. And, and eat at the same time. We don't get in trouble for it anymore. Uh, only yeah. we used to. We and I'll, used to. And I'll put out a, give a bit of news out that um, that oh, there's so much news. Good. What are they like? Yeah. Mm. Excellent. Good. You've done Good. a great job, Tony. Well, probably a little bit salty. <laughs> okay. So look, um, heading off the news this week is that uh, last weekend at uh, Silverstone was the final round of the Le Mans series. It was a five race series starting uh, at Valencia and finishing in Silverstone. Our good friend Alan Simonson was not available to drive with Lars Eric Nielsen in the uh, in the Farnbasha 997 RSR uh, due to uh, commitments with FIA GT and Gigawave Motorsport in Bruno in Czechoslovakia. We'll get on to Alan's uh, rather disappointing weekend a little bit later. But uh, Dirk Werner, um, a seasoned regular in sports car racing, took over Alan's duties in the car. The car qualified very, very well, uh, third on the grid, um, behind the Virgo uh, motorsport car and uh, the uh, uh, Raymond Narek and um, Raymond Narek's uh, IMSA GD Performance, IMSA Performance uh, Porsche of a similar specification with the new four-liter engine. Um, Lars didn't get a chance to get in the car with uh, Werner coming to, to coming to grief with one of the prototypes, uh, just a little bit over the first hour mark in the car being uh, unable to continue. Uh, that's uh, disappointing because that even uh, Lars had actually signified that this would possibly be his last race 
in uh, in uh, open competition, yes. uh, continuing uh, uh, his interest in the sport with his daughter Christina, who will be moving up from the European karting uh, uh, formula. There's so many damn karting formulas. Can you I work mean, them out? Especially in Europe. That's because there's so many Europeans. Well, that could have something to do with it. And anyway, it's good. Eurach <laughs> Formula B. Anyway, and she's going to be moving up to the Spider Cup, uh, which is a uh, open uh, cockpit uh, Peugeot that uh, supports the uh, LMS races. So that's all very interesting. But bigger than that, it was a massively interesting weekend, and uh, the event was uh, won by Audi. This is the first time that Audi mm. has managed to triumph out of 10 races since the introduction of the 908 uh, HDI FAP diesel uh, prototype. Uh, but boy, did those prototypes run into each other. And uh, in fact, one of the uh, 908s managed to do a backflip again for the third time this year. Mm. So that has prompted the ACO to introduce some new regulations for uh, 2009, and that is um, to include uh, significant amounts of gurney flaps on the car front and rear to be able to try to keep the cars down. And it appears to be with their flat bottom, once the air gets under them, it's a bit like Shades of 99 with Mark Webber mm, and the uh, yeah. Mercedes uh, uh, mm. CLK. But um, just a quick uh, rundown on the changes there is that they're trying to restore the balance between the petrol and the diesel cars. Um, obviously there had been some, some concerns that the diesel cars could run a lot longer uh, mm -hmm. for fuel stop than the petrol cars and they changed <coughs> some sizes and this and that and all sorts of things, the way that the fuel, the fuel could come in trying to, to get an equalisation. I suppose, uh, Craig, as you'd know, in any formula like that, you're always going to be you know, balancing the scales to try to get uh, the best parity. Yeah. Well, parity is probably the biggest thing which um, is spoken about i mean we find it in the utes we found it back in the old uh, gtp days as well you're always trying to get everything evenly matched and if someone's got the wood on someone else you you'll have the team who's a little bit slower always knocking on the door of the stewards and the uh, <laughs> organizers and the powers to be to say hey come on let's sort something out and i think in the early days too i mean i think that uh, audi managed to get a few concessions because the whole diesel thing was totally unknown mm. and um and peugeot getting in as early as they did um, they sort of got the same concessions as well and thought, well, okay, we'll, we'll get in there while we can and, uh, you know, cut our teeth, which is probably quite clever on both their parts because if they did get some, you know, some minor concessions initially, uh, they've probably got enough experience now to keep the cars going fast and keep the refuelling down. Um, so they may still have an edge, but uh, certainly it's, it's, it's time that the, uh, that the petrol runners actually had a chance to fight back, I reckon couple of other differences they're trying to bring in here um, and this is quite interesting this one is um, that Stefan Sarazen actually had got in the uh, the, the 908 uh, at the test day and had gone way under the 3 minute 30 uh, mark around Lasarth and they were going these speeds are getting up they're real high mm. and certainly um, he had a huge off again the front uh, the air got under the front of the car coming through the Porsche curves destroyed the barrier and the car but uh, now they want to have a 3 minute 30 limit for the prototypes around the Le Mans circuit. I suppose if they, I don't know how you read into that, they go, what, you've got a freedom to go as fast as you like at any other circuit, but you've got to keep it down. And it's mm. interesting how that, uh, that, will, um, that will work. Hybrid cars are going to be allowed uh, to be making an, an entry into the sport in 2009, but they won't be able to score points. 
they want to make the GT2 and the P2 cars more accessible to private teams and I think that's what they're getting at there, Craig, is that they want manufacturers to get involved at the P1 level, which they are, Audi and Peugeot, and then there's the Aston Martin Lola, yep. which has uh, made a debut at, uh, at uh, Le Mans with Charuse Systems. And the same with, with GD1, with Aston Martin and the uh, the Celine and, and, and the Corvette. So um, they're taking tyre warming away for uh, Le Mans series and uh, the 24-hour, but they don't say any mention about the American Le Mans series, whether it's under that uh, rule. Uh, two races per engine. So it's, it's a cost containment cost p- containment issue. But in 2010, they're going to allow the uh, hybrids to be con- classified as competitors, uh, bring down the noise limit to 110 dB, and in 2011, they're going to uh, change some of the minimum weights, but there's no specific information uh, about that at this point. And that brings me on to the fact that at Silverstone last week, Peugeot decided that they would give everyone a look at their new hybrid 908, and this is the first car to be seen racing in the world with effectively the KERS Kinetic Energy Regeneration System technology, and uh, Peugeot has uh, has um, uh, brought out an adaptable solution which adds on to the existing 908 race car, and it basically allows about 5% of the kinetic energy produced under braking to be recovered or stored. Now that ends up being meaning that a 60 kilowatt uh, 80 horsepower gear driven electric motor takes the place of a conventional starter motor, and the batteries permit the, re- the recovery, uh, recovery um, of, uh, of power into 600 lithium ion batteries developed, uh, um, into, divided into 10 different cells, so they can also use it for weight distribution, yeah. which is uh, yeah, quite a, a clever yeah. way of, of doing things. But uh, they did a bit of a test of it, and mm-hmm. rather than you know just take the sheet off it and hey, you have a glass of champagne, we promise you it'll all work, they actually <laughs> demonstrated this at, uh, at um, at Silverstone with Nick Manassian in the car, and uh, I'll read you some of the quotes uh, from the the bosses there of Peugeot. We will put our resources towards the 908 HDI FAP while de- developing the demonstrator. Our first priority is not in 90 uh, 2009 is Le Mans, but we want to race the car as soon as possible. Uh, uh, engineering boss Serge Sorna said, "I don't think you'll see us racing the hybrid before Le Mans, but we'll see after that." The driver, Nick Manassian, said the car's fantastic te- technical achievement. The main thing it, it thing is that it takes time to adapt to the car under brakes where the car recovers energy. That's a different feel and takes a little bit more time. Using the system in pit lane means I can preserve the correct speed very easily and all works well. They did a couple of uh, runs past the pit lane uh, on the electric power only, totally silent. Uh, much to the jeering of the of the of the crowd and the and the, 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 the teams who thought it was a Mr. Whippy Van said two pints of strawberry yogurt, please, mate. <laughs> but uh, it's all pretty interesting. But of course, that poses another um, sort of uh, safety issue for the drivers because uh, recently, in testing with a Kurs system in Formula One, a uh, uh, one of the mechanics was given a heavy voltage shock. Um, well, rather, it would probably be, wouldn't be so much the voltage; it'd be the current, because mm. power is equal to voltage by current, and it, well, it's the current that'll kill you, not the voltage. So they have to make sure they isolate the driver and all the all the, all the people from that, and certainly yeah. be aware that in the event of a large crash, that someone's not caught in the car with liquids and electricity. Mm. So um, we wonder where it's all going, mate. You know, it's not like going off on the first corner at Bathurst with a broken cigarette lighter. No. no. And their nav man not working. 
Well, one day they might be hovering. That's what we see in Back to the Future and a few other well, pieces. Yeah, that's a good point too. That's, yeah, have to okay, JP, you're on. Am We're I? going for a crunchy bone here. Oh, well, you go for the crunchy bone then. All right. <laughs> and, uh, well, I was going to uh, obviously touch on um, Phillip Island, but uh, I know that uh, Craig had a few uh, bits and pieces on that too. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so I just thought I'd, uh, right now, mention how much I enjoyed the show you did in Melbourne with um, with Mark Fogarty and, uh, and Zuka. I thought it, was, it turned out really, really well. And um, it was a very interesting insight talking to folks um, from someone who's been in the thick of it for so many years uh, and writing about it to actually listen to the guy, uh, you know, talking about what he does rather than just reading his column in AA, you know, or auto fiction. We still call it auto fiction. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I, it was a very good show, Johnny. You did very well. What are you laughing at? Now, Mark, I didn't say that. No. I will call it auto action from here on in as promised. Oh, did you make a promise on the weekend? I did. Well, see, I wasn't there, so I didn't have to make the promise. And I did refer to it as AA when I started. It's all in jest and he knows it. It is, yeah. Well, as long as he knows it's all in If we could get one on time. It was a particular... Yeah, well, there there you go. Now, we did a bit bit of research, and I don't want to cut your grass on that, but we did a bit of research about today why... The auto actions are not turning up on time. Now, Craig, have you found that they used to turn up on a Wednesday and now they don't turn up till Friday? Yeah, I mean, I'd normally uh, go to the airport and we'd fly out to a race meeting and they're never there anymore when we're, when we're leaving. They're always a day late, so... Yep, even two days late. Well, I went looking on Thursday last week after we'd had the, the um, discussion about it the week before. Nothing. Went to the news agents. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it yet. Nothing. Well, Friday, finally, it arrived around lunchtime, so... We've still definitely got issues when you think that you used to be able to walk in somewhere about 11 o'clock on a Wednesday morning and it was always there. So I've found out uh, that the, the supply has changed, as you suspected, that ACP is not using Gordon and Gotts. They're using uh, someone like Network Associates at Network Distribution or something like that. Right. And um, calling them, I was told from the news agent, which will remain nameless here in, at Norwood Plaza, um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, it, uh, I've had great difficulty talking to the people there, and they uh, really were quite unhelpful. Um, but I did get a phone number to ring. Of um, uh, I have to ring Fred after seven thirty tonight, the supervisor, and check if he's finished his dinner. He might be able to give us an explanation. Oh right, okay. And then if it's not okay, he'll he'll pop one round or two possibly in the mail. <laughs> in the yeah, well, we, oh, it's only Wednesday. Oh, okay. it's only Wednesday. Well, that means we might get them a day early then. So you never know. But we, have, we have made some ground here that the news agent has now moved away from, no, you never had it on a Wednesday, ever, yeah. to actually, we, we have. Yes, there, there's been a bit of a change. Mm. And, yeah. and, and also, the girl at the desk looks single. So, you know, who knows where we go with this. Absolutely <laughs> She said, he needs it, he's in the sport. I went, in the what? <laughs> what sport are you in? This is what we ask ourselves. Craig, please, you feel free to munch and, and yeah. chat. So, look, there's, there's no airs and graces here. But uh, what did you think of the racing at, uh, at Phillip Island now that we've moved away from Sandia and the oddness of uh, qualifying races some, to some extent? Yeah, look, I, um, I spent a fair bit of time on Saturday at the show, so I'd come home to uh, talk to the wife and find out what went on, and she said there were a couple of races on Saturday. And... Um, Interesting enough, they've had a, a new qualifying system for the for the grid of the 
500, which were two short races on the Saturday, which I found it just before by you lovely people that one of them included a pit stop. And that's how we got there. So I probably lied a bit. I, I ended up uh, being able to watch it. I uh, watched the last probably 20 or 30 laps on Sunday afternoon and found it quite exciting. <laughs> you watched the, the interesting bit. Yeah, well, the rain made it very, very interesting. You could see it coming. It was just, oh, it was so close. And then it came a little bit like Bathurst last year. It was quite a processional race until the last couple of laps when the rain came down. And uh, disappointed to see Jamie make a, a small mistake there into Honda mm. and... and throw the race away in a sense but also nice to see an old school man in, in Mark Scaife win so it probably silenced a few of his critics because there was a bit of talk about over the hill and old Holden drivers and so forth but it was nice to see a Holden back up there and and uh, Ford again very quick but unfortunately weren't at the top of the podium at the end of the weekend. Mm. When the Enduros come round I think that the age age and, and, and wisdom comes out there and certainly not taking away from you know someone like Mark Winterbottom and his ability to be able to be on the money in a sprint race but it's the wiseness of the people that have done it before to know how to manage traffic mm. and to wait their time to get through the traffic because you got to win as you well know a race by the smallest margin on the last corner not the first. Yeah, well, motorsport's a mental game, isn't it? You, you're uh, by yourself in there with a helmet on in the cockpit and you've got to make those right decisions to be there at the end of the day. Yeah, you've, first, you've got to finish, what, what's the saying they say? To, to finish first, first, first you must finish. finish. That's right. Right. So, you know, and, and you can see it. Uh, Garth, again, he drove really well, put the pressure on where needed and um, he only needed that slight mistake and there was a lot of people running off in Honda and the track was quite greasy, but um, also good to see the uh, Jim Beam Racing boys get on the podium. Good for uh, uh, Johnson Jr. to <coughs> hopefully reaffirm his job for next year. Well, I would like to think that. Uh, I thought that uh, Jr. drove a particularly good last half of the race. I mean, there was absolutely no doubt about it. Oh, he was he was fine. And it was interesting to note that the, the previous week in, in uh, AA, there was an article about the fact that he'd apparently had a... Um, uh, an illness um, the previous two weeks, um, and uh, he'd been stopped from training. You know, he's in the he's heavily into training and keeping fit and everything these days. And apparently, his uh, his weight had gone down to uh, ninety five kilos, which is the lightest he'd been in like fifteen years, apparently. So um, yeah, so and he, he's apparently his goal is to get down to ninety kilos before Bathurst. So uh, it'll be uh, be interesting to see how he goes there. Have you got current issue? Have you? What do you mean current? Did you get a current issue? Or it's not. It's not this week's. It's last week's. Well, well it doesn't look the same as mine. You must have got a different. It does look the same as yours. No, no, it doesn't. No. Well, you bought yours in Melbourne. There it is. No, yeah. no, no. It's the Melbourne issue. It's the Melbourne edition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, we have yeah. a look at the next. But no, so it's good. I mean, the the rain thing was very interesting because um, uh, poor little Mitchy plays soccer on a Sunday morning. <sighs> And so we were up at Sparrows and, and off to uh, to get to the ground by 8 o'clock. And about 7.30 when we were leaving home, it absolutely bucketed down for 20 minutes. And uh, they got it, and that was the same rain that they got right towards the end of the race. Um, and, you know, at the time I was thinking, well, if somebody stays out on slicks and the rain is short, sharp and shiny, they could actually come really good here. And it was looking for a while... Like Richo was gonna uh, was gonna pull one out of the hat by staying out on slicks, but of course it all fell apart, and uh, poor, old Andrew, poor old Andrew Jones stayed out on slicks just a little bit too long and tried a little bit too hard, and made a very big mess of the car. Um, well, but, I don't uh, know if he was trying know. too hard. It's just that he simply got caught out on on, on on slicks, and I suppose 
Well, I reckon he was doing two seconds a lap quicker than anybody else who was still on slicks, so it was a fair old effort. Well, Craig, what's your call on that? You know, on the accident. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, you know, playing the gamble of staying out on slicks, and you know, you know, if there's traffic, there's a bit of a dry line, but it's it's a risk, isn't it? It's it's quite fast through the back section there, Phillip Island, and, and um, again, you can make those calls if you're pretty far down, and, and you can make the twenty or thirty seconds up. Um, obviously, trying to recoup that in normal racing, you, you're just never going to do it. So to make the gamble is is a worthwhile one. Um, just unfortunately at times when you take the risk you do get uh, caught out and, and you get bitten by motorsport don't you so <laughs> yeah. sad to see a car like that um, get so heavily damaged it's a, they're doing so well I was speaking to uh, Simon Wills at the weekend and uh, the boys at Team BOC and, and Brad Jones Racing have worked their butts off to get a competitive package and a competitive team so hopefully they'll turn that around and get that car beautifully repaired and on the pace at um, Bathurst Mm, I, um, I actually sent Simon a message this afternoon uh, to, to catch up about uh, another matter outside of motorsport and he said look yeah absolutely can we do it next week because I'm busy working on the Bathurst car yeah. now, does that mean he's co-driving in the BOC car no no he's actually <laughs> working on it he's jumping into one of his old girls at Bathurst um, now this is uh, one of the new technologies Facebook so I've seen some photos on there and uh, he's racing a Wilson Security Commodore at Bathurst in the Fujitsu series, so one of his... Oh, right, okay, yep. he's not doing a main game drop. No, no, so no. he's going to have a jump in there and, and rumoured to possibly maybe get another gig, or another shot at the Fujitsu series next year full-time, so it's the old... Um, it was a car that was bought by, again, Scotty Anderson at Pro Technica to run for Chris Alajarjan, so it's actually come back to South Australia and he's rebuilt it for Bathurst. And was it one of the cars that was built... Uh, at by Team Dynamic. Yep, years Team ago, Dynamic. Uh, yep. With um, uh, who was uh, who was Craig Lowndes' uh, engineer at Zero Zero? Oscar. The, Oscar. Yeah. Zilarento. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's got that aftershave out. Yes. Yeah. It's good bloke. <laughs> I'm smelling my mile off. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, uh, uh, Roland Dane has been on the phone this week to Alan Simonson and to. Oh, really? uh, um, Richard Lyons are saying, look, um, Gee, perhaps our me. decision our Fabrizio uh, Giovanardi and uh, and Lewis Hamilton's uh, tutor, uh, Mark Hines, coming out and drive was not uh, a good solution. Are you available? And um, Alan went, so show me the money. I'm <laughs> ringing. Don't ring me. Um, they didn't. Uh, they didn't acquit themselves as well as uh, one would have thought. Like getting in, you know, the world touring car champ to be able to come out here and drive one of those those uh, high performance rear wheel drive cars. Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, I'd imagine that uh, if you were a, a main game runner all the time, they came out and hose you. You'd have the shits, wouldn't you? Mm. And you and you'd sort of go. Eh. And whilst no one sort of takes satisfaction that they can't rub. You know, shoulders with them, they sort of, there's a little bit of quiet satisfaction <laughs> We knew more about it than you did. <laughs> what do you reckon? You needn't think you can come out here and, you know. The other thing as well is uh, you would have thought they would have been a bit quicker with the new gearboxes they run, back to the old days with the old H patterns. So, um, mm. you know, a few of the boys that have done it in the past have done really well. John Clellan, he was he was an, an ace, wasn't he? He yeah. made that transition quite well. And, and um, yeah, I, it was interesting enough to, to see the boys there. You just think, whoa. Sometimes it'd be nice to see some some other guys get a shot at well as well and and show what they can do. I mean, standout performances. Steve Owen. I, I I think he's 
he would be close mm. to jumping in main game again and, and, and Luffy as well. They're always so quick and so consistent. Yeah, Luffy um, had a very good run. Yeah, yeah they... they um, oh, the other... Actually, Jonathan Webb, uh, barring that when off in the wet, was I think Shane had an off there. They were right up in the top ten and, and still finished strongly there. But yep. I think Webby acquitted himself really well too and probably putting his hand up for a, a possible Stone Brothers drive next year. We'll just see where, where that goes and where that leads. I think it's uh, quite clear that Stone Brothers will take money from anywhere they can at this moment. Um, With the loss of the Ford backing? The uh, and there are a lot of teams hurting more mm-hmm. than yeah. they is, would is that, is be prepared true? to admit. But is that good enough mm. for Gary Rogers, whose team came fifth, yep. who then gave McCaining and said it's not good enough? Right. Don't, no, don't. So, I mean... Is that right? Sorry for stalling. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, JP. Did I get that wrong then? Stone Brothers are still getting the money, aren't they? They are, yeah. It's Triple yep. A who are. Sorry, yep. that's my mistake. But they, they, yeah. interesting enough, I read this week that Steve Owen is a big contender as well because he's got a sponsor or some backing which could fall him in the seat of Stone Brothers as well. So, mm. you know, okay. and, and, and this silly season, it's a silly season, so it's going to start real soon. Like I said, they'll take money for it everywhere, anywhere, yeah. but will they get another one of those chicken wings? Come on, Craig, <laughs> hook in <laughs> while hook we in. move on to tech time. Tech time. Into tech time. Now, if interestingly that you were talking about Facebook there and, and picking up on photos and things in Facebook, because um, just uh, today there's been a, an announcement from Apple about um, they want to make their own chips for the iPhone. And the reason that uh, some sleuth-like reporter even got onto the story in the first place is that uh, there's this uh, senior manager called oh, yeah. Wei Han Lien who actually moved to Apple earlier on in the year and he's put something up on his Facebook profile that said he was overseeing an ARM architecture team for the iPhone. And so now they've done some sniffing around and they reckon that Apple are uh, on their way to... Uh, building their own iPhone chips rather than importing them from ARM, although ARM apparently are partly owned by Apple anyway, um, or backed by Apple when they were launched in uh, 1990, and they are actually a UK company. But uh, interesting that um, with the success of the iPhone and the iPod, that uh, they're thinking seriously about um, pulling all that uh, chip manufacture in-house. Do you have any Apple technology in your house, Craig? Uh, I do. I've got an iPod, which uh, gets me through those long flights. Uh, wanted an iPhone, but I'd probably break it. I'm a very rough person. Um, I can't hold a phone for less than probably three weeks before it gets destroyed. So <laughs> would love an iPhone, but I think the wife will probably get it before me. She's the uh, electronics and technology guru. I'm just the uh, silly person who goes out and works and brings the money home for her to spend. <laughs> but uh, having... Uh, you obviously have a PC then at home. I do, yeah. Uh, yeah. So having... Um having had the uh, the iPod and wanting an iPhone and enjoying the Apple experience, what do you think it takes for us to get you to walk away from the dark side and to get an iMac at home? Oh, I mean, oh. if JP, for example, as the <laughs> Apple dealer in, 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 in Adelaide was to, to give you one. Well, that's the, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of our when, when you get to the technical side on the motorsport sense our proposals and, and media and, and all the glossy publications that we do for our motorsport and, and racing teams are done on Apple yep. um, 
and obviously the sign writing as well. So we we do support it where we can. If I can put my hand up and say that. So yeah, hopefully absolutely. that gets me a good uh, good rapport with you fellas. Oh, look, you wouldn't be here if you weren't in a exactly. good rapport. Now, are you going to have another bone? I'll have another bone. Come on, hook in, JP. No, you can have I've, I've had two. I'm right, Okay, so there's a lot to talk about in tech, and I suppose one might work backwards. Because uh, in the last uh, 48 hours, uh, Apple's released a 10.5.5 operating system. Now, I must say that I haven't had any problems with it. I uh, was reluctant initially to install it, other than to say that when I did install it, um, it sat there for the best part of an hour on reboot, working itself out before it came up to the finder. Uh, A little bit further research has then told me to do not have external devices connected right. um, because I also noticed afterwards that the external devices from the Firewire 800 port were not showing up on the desktop and um, uh, the time machine has stopped working but yeah. uh, it, 10.5.5 specifically was there to improve the performance of time machine. <laughs> Well, there you go. And in fact, just a quick rundown of uh, some of the uh, interesting uh, um, fixes. Uh, Improved spotlight indexing uh, fixes a whole lot of their issues with uh, MacBook Air. So if you've got a MacBook Air, definitely want to put that through. Uh, Improved iCal and um, Apple Mail. No one uses that. And uh, Mobile Me performance. Well, that didn't come quick enough, did it? (laughs) A lot of people have been hanging out for that. But rewinding a week ago. There was a, a media event in uh, the US yes. where um, the technorati, glitterati, were invited to see a, um, a rather uh, thin Steve Jobs who yes. had said, look, just because Bloomberg published an obituary of me today doesn't mean I'm dead. Reports of my death were greatly exaggerated. Greatly exaggerated. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know who pressed the button who published his, his death story. Now, but to be fair, viewers... That um, you have to imagine that uh, the press networks would be preparing obituaries for people, um, including yourself, famous people, Craig, um, years in advance, uh, because it's the vast, uh, you know, story they would need to tell of your life. Um, and uh, he'd like to say something, but he's got bones in his mouth, and um, <laughs> that's why they they regularly sort of keep them up to date. Yep. And uh, but someone pressed the publish button, and he was still alive. So, uh oh, five. But he is actually recovering from pancreatic cancer. Again? Yeah. So that's why he's so thin. Not good. But anyway, he managed to deliver a very uh, good uh, keynote there to introduce a bunch of, I think, what they call it, chromatic coloured iPods. chromatic And uh, nano replacements, which um, are longer, thinner. um, 320 by 240 display, which now has the accelerometer to allow you to turn it. And an interesting feature where if you shake the iPod, it comes in, it goes into shuffle mode. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if that works when you're playing. So not uh, sure about interesting that. Interesting to see, and it's got a little volume thing on the side too, like uh, uh, the new iPod Touch too. Now we tell you a lot of interesting stuff on this show, but uh, obviously you need to be able to reference it back later, and that's where our good friends at V8 Central have managed to be able to uh, provide you with the show notes. Go to v8central.com forward slash radio hotlap, and you will find all the links there about everything we are uh, talking about. In that uh, release also thank came. You Chris. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. And remember that money, I mean, <laughs> money, money, and um, <laughs> iTunes. 
version 8 came out with a very trippy visualizer yeah. i looked at it the other night while i wasn't tripping um and uh, it was uh, it was very very good and i'll, I'll if you go back uh, chris in the mac rumors you'll be able to find out who was the architect behind that see if i can find out before the show's over also on top of that a very important update for the iphone the 2.1 firmware which has improved battery life connectivity and actually really tells you whether you are getting a 3g signal or not and Improved connection with mobile me. Hello. Again. Again. Still. But does it still sound like you're dialing from a submarine or not? No, I haven't had any of those problems. But perhaps, JP, since you've got all the information on the 2.1 update, you might like to tell the viewers just what's going on. Oh, well, I mean, it basically changes a whole load of things. You've got, um, I think you can uh, create your own uh, genius playlist now. Um, What is that? It's... uh, like your favourite of all favourites with uh, easy uh, flick through. That's that's clever. So basically, what you're saying is that the, when you play your play your songs in iTunes 8 with the genius turned on, it phones home to Apple telling you what you're playing. Then Apple goes, yeah, right, this is what you've got. We're not talking about piracy here. And make some suggestions about the music you're listening to. And would you like right. to buy this? Is yes. that it? That's it. Right. It's about um, which also works on your iPhone. It does. And on your iPhone. Well, and that's part of the thing, is yeah, and um, and in it's, iTunes, it supposedly gives you a dramatically reduced time to back up to iTunes. Um, I've never seen, known that that's been that that great in the first place. Um, faster thir- installation of third-party applications, and um, <laughs> it's it's interesting that it says that it fixes, uh, it, it gives you faster installation of third-party applications. But it also fixes bugs that cause hangs and crashes if you have lots of third-party applications. So there you go. Faster loading and searching of contacts. Blah blah blah. So um, they reckon that it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, podcast has got more descriptive information in it now. Um, and yeah, there you go. iPod Touch 2.1 available for free via iTunes. Owners still running 1.0 software can purchase the 2.1 update for 9.95. So you actually have to purchase it if you're not a late adopter. Craig, you've uh, told me you're not uh, a great uh, operator in the kitchen, but you do have a few interesting uh, barbecue pizza tips. Mm, Tell yeah. the viewers what's going because we haven't had a barbecue pizza tip before. We haven't. We've never talked, and nobody's ever even <laughs> talked about having a pizza on a barbecue. The floor so is there yours. You go. Okay, well, it's only happened once, and I'll probably, I'm lying a little bit, I'm plagiarising this one. It's my brother's recipe. Well, not a recipe. You don't tell them that. I you can. Take the because if I, no, if I, you owe me money, don't if I actually brag about how good a cook I am, um, <laughs> the wife will want me to do it all the time, and that just can't happen. So, Clever technique, and you shit out at washing up. Uh, look, see, the, the thing is, and this is the way I, I do live my life, and this is why I get out of all the household chores, get asked to do it once. Do it really bad the first time and you never get asked again. It's pretty smart. That's um, the way to do it. But pizzas, you need to buy a special hot plate, which uh, you can get from probably Kmart or a barbecue shop. Right. And it's like a like a wood oven. It, it turns your barbecue into a wood oven. So you put the, the hot plate in there, get it as hot as possible, turn the barbecue yeah. right up. And then you just make your normal pizza, get your pizza dough, put your normal toppings, and you sling it into Exhibit the barbecue. A. That's exactly what it is, yes. That's a piece of stone. Pizza stone, yes. A piece of stone, yeah. So, and, and, and then do you use a hooded barbecue? You put the so, hood yeah. back over it yeah. and um, you cook it for probably about 25 to half an hour, and there you go, you've got a beautiful pizza off a barbecue. Mm. And all the heat's outside. 
Yep. Tell us about the base. What do you use for bases? Pizza dough. You can uh, get from your local supermarket, or if you're a tricky, you can probably knock it up yourself. But again, me not being the uh, clever cook, I'd probably just go and buy it, and uh, from there, you make it happen. A touch difficult to make the true, authentic uh, pizza dough. Uh, a trip to Batiga Rotolo down in uh, Osmond Terrace would, yes. would help you, but that wouldn't help your wallet. I've found <laughs> uh, the middle ground is the um, falafel bread. Yes. Yep. Yep. Which comes out nice and crispy, and uh, I don't know whether you're a, put a lot of lot of toppings on your pizzas, but uh, I'd prefer to keep them pretty minimal. And uh, Mr. Crispy comes to play, just like these little suckers here. Exactly. Yeah, like I'm the opposite. I like as much as I can. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm like a bottomless yeah, piss. Spread pit, like that a... tomato sauce, lay <laughs> that cheese on, and get as many toppings as you can. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. No. Oh, that's good. So pizza stones. There you go. And you get them. At, can you get them at Kmart? Didn't know that. Well, I got that for. for uh, Twelve ninety five up the road at house oh, uh, on the well, parade. Yeah, and, house. Uh, now there's a house everywhere. But yep. I, I have to say that when you're, it's a bit odd because you can't pick this up from one side. It, <laughs> it's sort of you, you have to pick it up symmetrically, and it's difficult to get a glove underneath it. You know, when Once it's hot the and pizza the pizza's there, otherwise yeah. you're getting cheesy gloves. Secret: put a board next to it and slide it off before you take it off the hot plate. Aha! Uh-huh. And a little bit of the greaseproof paper on here, yes, so yep, it or a bit of oil. A bit yeah. of flour or something yeah. like that. If you're on the yeah. money, yeah. you're not next time we'll be over. Before, definitely. Yes. Episode 100, he might be over for pizza. <laughs> pizza so around. while we're talking about barbecues, anyway, I'm talking about last week's show. I've got to give you the report on uh, Marcus's wonderful recipe. That was it from his mother that said that you need to um, marinate your steak in a uh, mixture of Jackson Coke, a can of Jackson Coke. Well, I had these four porterhouses that had been loitering in the bottom of the fridge for about 10 days so they should have been really schmick and nice and tender and everything anyway which they were and uh, having heard the show last week I thought oh well I might just do that and uh, the barbie was on for after Philip Island had finished so um, that morning I uh, went out to the bottle shop and bought myself some beer and while I was there I bought the obligatory can went home laid the uh, laid the steaks out and uh, poured in the uh, Jackson Coke and um, it was different. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Marcus. Uh, it was it was quite pleasant. It was a different taste, but it was very rich. Um, and because we well, it wasn't that great a day on Sunday, so we didn't have steaks with salad. We had steaks with veggies and uh, and some uh, potato wedges. And uh, I think it was just a little bit too rich, a bit too much richness there. But uh, but yeah, different different flavour. And the steaks were good though, so we we did come out well. So thank you for that, Marcus. I probably won't be doing it again. I'm not sure about, like, yeah. spirits and... And Coke. But I thought, well, Coke, well, I mean, you know, you, you, we all hear the rumours about, you know, you leave something in Coke for long enough, so I just figured it would break the fibres down and make the steaks even more tender. Craig, let's talk about your 2008 V8 uh, Ute campaign. All uh, didn't start so well um, at the yeah. third race of, uh, of Clipsal 500 Adelaide. Uh, maybe you'd just uh, like to... I don't know if you want to go through it again, but we'll do it anyway. Um, I can tell you, uh, the viewers, that there were three people involved, uh, Jack, uh, Keithy, George Ellsgood, uh, yourself, and Matt Kingsley. Um, I think, you know, I'm not going to say who was innocent, but uh, or who was guilty. But uh, how do you see it? Because the, the video is available on YouTube, mate. Tell us what your thoughts were and, and you know, did it hurt? 
Um, well, I'm happy it's o- oh, it did hurt the wallet, obviously. I'm happy it's over now. Um, interesting enough, uh, had a good chat to Jack about it a while ago. We, we, we uh, expressed probably the same views on it. But, um, look, that's over in the past. The stewards have made their rulings and, and a lot of people know where... What was the ruling? Okay, well, um, I mean, for myself and Jack, we're in the clear. Um, young Matt was uh, obviously charged with the... the um, or found at fault for the incident, uh, from, from what I've been told, and he had, uh, was later nine-month banned, um, which was post-dated, so back to when the accident happened. And um, for him now, they're, they're, they're actually not racing use anymore. He's, uh, from what I've been told, bought a Porsche and going to go race in the Porsche series, so... Um, so we can expect carnage in Porsche series next year. <laughs> oh, look, I'm not... Oh, it's yeah. not for you to say that. No, speculate. No. It's only speculation. Uh, to, to be honest, I, I was, uh, and still am, a, a pretty good friend of Matty's, and, and you never want uh, motorsport to get that ugly. So, 100%. Um, look, I'm lucky to be standing here and, and uh, li- living, walking, breathing, and got through it quite nicely. Um, so, yeah, but uh, Clipsal was a... It started off really well. It would have been we very close to getting our first podium in V8 Utes. Um, we the had, car looked gorgeous. Yeah, it well, did, yes. that, that car was beautiful. I built that one myself over over here in Adelaide over summer and, and put a lot of uh, time, money, blood, sweat and tears into it because we wanted it to be the best out there and we were, we were close to it. Um, it was uh, went from being the best presented to the best demolished all in about a couple of seconds. It is unfortunate that you were driving a Ford because <laughs> had you been driving a Holden with the Roaring Lion uh, energy drink sponsorship, it might have been some value in a Holden museum with the word lion in it. <laughs> Could have been, but uh, in saying that, Ford were awesome. So I've Great. got to put my hand up and say... That's really, really good to hear. Was, was blown away by the support we got from those guys and, and with the help of Ford and a few other uh, people around town, uh, we were able to put the car back together and that debuted at um, Queensland Raceway uh, behind the hands of Justin Van Twest, my teammate. Uh, I should say former teammate now, but um, we'll get into that a little bit later. And he There's had, been a twist? Uh, there has been a twist, yes. Um, <laughs> Well, obviously, we've been running the Roaring Line Falcon this year. We've doing, we've had our ups and downs. We've had some good results and some not so good results. But uh, unfortunately, uh, just after Winton, after our a pretty strong top ten result there, um, we got some news that Roaring Line were unable to continue on with their V8 Ute program, which was disappointing. We we were getting a bit of a, a cult following and getting a, a name for the sponsor and ourselves as the Roaring Line team. Uh, but in saying that, you know, Roaring Line have been very good. Um, We've worked through our, our uh, not issues, but worked through what, what we needed to do to move forward. And Roaring Lion at this stage will not be on the car at Bathurst or Oran Park. We will uh, run a different car there and, and Roaring Lion will revisit our sponsorship in the future. But for us, the future's good. We're going to Bathurst with a new team. Uh, very lucky to be in the right place at the right time. I'll jump to Car 45 and expand the Ideal Electrical Racing Team. So Big Gun Racing will have three cars there. So I'll be finding myself in a green and black car. You'll be the true meat in the sandwich. We'll be the meat in the sandwich, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've had our existing... There's money in butchery, isn't there? Uh, yeah. Oh, look, the, the guys are great, very supportive. Uh, I mean, uh, Brad, the owner of Big Gun Butchers, and that's where uh, Big Gun Racing comes from, uh, was one of the first guys to ring up on the... After yourself, obviously, on, on the Monday after Clips will offer his uh, help and support financially to make it happen, so... Um, and we've worked closely with them because Brad actually owned uh, my car last year and, and funded me a bit to run V8 Utes. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're back there with them and can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. It's going to be, a, it's gonna be a, a fresh car, fresh start, and uh, looking forward to uh, 
doing some good things up there. Yeah, look, I'm really pleased to see that the V8 Utes are going to Bathurst and be on the proper, you know, the proper billing. Uh, hopefully, it will be the weather will be good. It'll be um, you know a race where there will be people will be there. There won't be any any safety car periods, and certainly you know uh, as as I had said with uh, with Marcus and uh, and Fogs a couple of weeks ago that there won't be uh, any uh, any major damage or injury to people as we've seen before because I think that everyone wants to come and do that uh, race. And in fact, I'm sure that the Ute fraternity is 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 probably a lot more. Um, uh, uh, mellow is not the word, but at the same thinking, there's not such a wide variation of thinking with maybe uh, Fujitsu, where there's someone going, look, oh, I can take over the world here, yep. whereas everyone's going, look, we all got to get to the end. Certainly, um, at this point in the championship, the penultimate race, uh, and not going to Indy, you, you know, you, you want to be able to show up there and, 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 as, and as a driver, drive the track. Absolutely. Um, but the best thing about that, that this whole deal, of course, is the fact that uh, it's live on Channel 7 as part of the Bathurst coverage. So, you know, that every punter who sat down watching Bathurst can be watching you guys live, which I think is just fantastic. So you get the, what uh, time you get the Saturday... Be, uh, uh, just our, uh, The moment it just says Saturday's race will be televised live on Channel 7 during the telecast between 12 and 5.30... And Sunday's race will run live at 7.50, just prior to the start well, of the Bathurst 1000. What other opportunity do you have? So, I mean, you know, the cars should go, go pretty good up the hill in that cool air. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's, just, it's a really um, relaxed uh, program, a little bit like Indy. We have quite a busy Thursday, but sort of Friday, Saturday and Sunday is fairly mellow for us, so it's great. Um, <laughs> we can actually enjoy it and, and embrace it as well. It's uh, one of those places I've visited as a kid. I've raced there once before and can't wait to get back there. It's one of those places that I love to go, but I, I have to say that uh, I, I still there's no substitute for being able to sit and watch it on TV. Um, and you know, as you know, I, I do a lot of work with Alan Simonson, and like last year, you know, I was up there, and then the Saturday I just went, look, Al, I'm, I'm going. I can't help yeah. you anymore. You know, I've given you the love, do the best you can, and went home to watch it on TV, um, and that was just the best way for it, mm-hmm. and it turned out all good anyway, yeah. because. And I don't like standing around the triple eight garage because <laughs> very tense stuff and yep. heavy duty. And it's just so big too. I mean, I mean, having been there, when was the last time I went? Two, three years ago? Yeah, three years ago. Yeah, but you got pissed off the top of the hill with McAllister. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was. Yeah, but that's that's only part of it. But the whole deal about Bathurst is that you've got your little spot where you are, and unless you're lucky enough to have a big screen or you're in an area where someone's got a decent telly or whatever. You never know what's going on on the other side of the circuit. You know, the guys, it's a two-minute wait before they come round again, that sort of stuff. And that's where watching Bathurst on TV is just, you know, sensational, if the coverage is good, of course, which it was last year. Uh, at Winton, Craig, um, uh, Mr Pitt decided he would use the uh, dynamometer to check some cars, and there were some uh, quite uh, wide-ranging disparities uh, in the torque and performance figures between both the Fords and the Holdens uh, and, and variants thereof. Um, but uh, to be basically summed up as it was all due to ambient temperature, do you buy that? Um, probably not. Uh, there's guys out there who are spending huge amounts of money and there's other guys, well, I'm not going to... Uh, wins, no, don't, but, don't, uh, don't, don't put, shit on your own but, but generically speaking, financially, does it make sense? Oh, look, I, I 
personally, no. Um, I mean, like, it, it, as a, what I'm saying is, like, whether they're spending money on the cars, yeah. that's one thing, but isn't it, it's a parody. Yes. And I mean, aren't they meant to be, like, within, within tolerance yeah, of this yeah, and this, and yeah. they were quite wide-ranging? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a talk of the town at the moment, um, speaking to a lot of the guys. Uh, I would love to have some of the horsepower some of these boys are having, because... Uh, you, you, you might be driving down the straight and you get blown off by a car which is meant to be exactly the same. It's quite disheartening. Um, but in saying that, you, you just... I'm, I'm not a political person, so if uh, once... End of the day, if you, you're going to cheat, eventually you'll get caught. So. But having said that, it, it, I mean, you are in the entertainment business and it yep. is up to the organisers whether they, you know, whether they favour or not. I'm not saying that that's happening. But it's always a case of if you're down, then suddenly you're up. And so if you're, oh, the underdog, and everyone's going to come on, then they bring them up, and then you're up there, and then, oh, they're down. So what goes around comes around, but um, it is a bit of a, it's a bit hard to quite fathom out how ambient temperature can uh, change that much. S- satisfy the argument for such a wide-ranging figures. Mm, no, definitely. So, right. a... Okay. Well, the ambient <laughs> money. Not that I'm a mechanic. Not <laughs> if an you can analyst, but perhaps, uh, perhaps I am. Yeah. All right, well, mate, we wish you the very best of luck at, uh, at Bathurst. Absolutely. And, uh, and certainly with the, the, the new people come on board and, um, and, and certainly hope that your uh, regional sponsors, Roaring Lion, will, uh, will get back on their feet and come back. Yes. Because there, there needs to be another energy drink being handed out. <laughs> well, someone else has got mothers now. Who's got something yeah, sponsored Leighton, by? Leighton 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 right. got yeah, Look, they'll be yeah. back. They'll be back. Yeah. And they've been very, really it's a bit good. gothic. Mother, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's owned by Coca-Cola. It does. I don't like it. It's not. It's, it's not I don't like. I've tried it. Yeah. All right. Now going back to uh, just one something I've forgotten that the, to say was that that Le Mans series was the final uh, round of Le Mans series. So the winners, surprisingly, as Audi has come through to take the LMP1 victory with uh, Alexander Primat and Mike Rockefeller, who for Mike Rockefeller will be a huge uh, um, weight off his back after trashing the Audi at the 2007 yeah. Le Mans. Uh, 24 hour uh, in the first stint uh, coming after, after the Dunlop Bridges. After Dunlop Bridges going to. Ah, uh, uh, nah. No, no, no. I'll think about it later. You know, interesting trees. Um, Jos Verstappen in the Van Merkstein uh, RS Spider, Porsche Spider, came uh, first in, in LMP2. Um, only one driver there because. The co-driver, if obviously if the co-driver was in the car for every race, they'd uh, have the same amount of points. Um, so I don't know exactly what happened to uh, Van Merkstein himself. He must have got jumped out of the car at some point, not be able to to do that. The Corvette uh, and the Luc Alfort um, Corvettes yeah. um, of Patrice Gusslard and Dr. Moreau. <laughs> you love them. I've never heard of them. I've never heard of them. I've never heard of them before. Anyway, they won TD1. And uh, Rob Bell, Alan oh, yeah. Simonson's uh, co-driver in the Virgo Motorsport yes. car from last year, won a GT2 two years in a row. Interestingly, his co-driver, Roger Maria Brunei, did not win because he was also doing other duties Right. Shades of Alan Simon since 2007. Oh, yes, it is. Rob Bell. Top bloke. See you later, Robbie. Enjoy the champagne. Okay, JP, got any more tech? Oh, I've got something more. The final thing on on, uh, um, sports car racing is that uh, Audi has announced that they're going to build GT3 versions of the R8 road car. And uh, I can tell you today that uh, it's coming to me. 
It's coming to me. John Caius, who bought the, uh, the Aston Martin. I don't know what he's going to be doing with that. Has ordered one, and that will be here for next year's Australian GT Championship. And that'll be is good that to see because it's a pretty looking it car. It is a very pretty looking car. Uh, there it is, like a little sneaky... Uh, Nice. Boost there, thanks nice. for coming. There's a few running around town now. Which yeah, is but nice not in GT. No, I'm not in GT spec, but nevertheless. It's, right. Uh, still nice to see them floating about. And talking about GTs, um, I got my, uh, you know, my monthly motor magazine arrived in the mail the other day, and uh, interesting, bloody Morley of all people has written this article where they're running off um, <laughs> the uh, W427 against um, a Nissan GTR and a Ford GT, the, the modern day GT40. And he writes a bit about the GT, or the, the GT, because it's not a GT40, um, but he's, he's got some really weird um, comments in there that I thought he would have known better he's about. He's a weird bloke, you know that. Yeah, I know he's weird, but it, he's got like about the holes in the seats. Well, the original GT40 had holes in the seats. Another magazine that can't do a picture then, without a sarcastic got, comment underneath. He's it. got <laughs> in here too about the fact that um, it's uh, it's not called a GT40 because apparently some pommy mob who makes kit cars or whatever bought the rights to the name GT40 and they wanted to sell it back to Ford for $40 million and Ford just told them to get stuffed. But he's ignored the fact that, well, it's not a GT40 anyway because the original GT40 was named that because it was 40 inches high. And apparently the new one's about 43 inches high in any case. So why would you call it a GT40? Oh, well, it could be to do with and the all the And then, further on, he goes on to say, well, if you're out on a track, which they were, they were uh, running this thing on a track, um, there's no room to get your head in there with a helmet on. Well, again, if you go back to the original car, there was no room for that there either, and the driver's side always had that nice bubble shape over the top of your head. So I'm a bit puzzled about that. I thought Molly uh, would have been a bit more on the money. So I just thought I'd comment on that because I've always admired the GT40s. What's your dream car, Craig? My dream car? Whoa. Um, I'm driving it. It's a Hyundai Ilo van. It's awesome. No, I'm joking. No. <laughs> it looked pretty hot when you pulled up. Viewers, if, if this was video, you would have just seen Johnny and I with our mouths just sort of wide open going, Are No, you no, you, you heard it here first. His new sponsor is Hyundai. <laughs> That's right. George Medici, you're out of it. Yeah. No, there's, um, there's a few cars I'd really love to uh, jump into, but I, I'm a big fan of anything Porsche. I just think they are beautiful. So uh, throw any Porsche at me, I'll like it, I reckon. Yes, yeah. very good. In fact, you know, you're quite right. I was in, in uh, one of my friends has um, uh, sold an airline and uh, has a, um, well, we have a fair bit of fun over in Europe. And um, he uh, <laughs> talking to GT40s, the shipping, yeah, talking to GT40s. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, um, it was shipping a bunch of race cars over to Europe, and that suddenly uh, the, the GT40 got damaged by Vern Schuppen actually at the AGP. He said, Johnny, what are we going to put in? What are we going to put a spot in a container? I said, well, chuck the Porsche in. And it, it was a brand new 997 carbon brake turbo uh, road car. And chuck that in. And so we drove around Europe in this thing. Okay, right hand drive. And how good was this car? And I, I, honestly, even, and not a lot surprises me, I was even sort of going, oh, you've got to be careful to put your foot down here because the thing jumps quicker than motorcycles out of the starting gate. Like, they just can't get the clutch out quick enough. But they're very, very fast cars and, and very enjoyable to drive. And, and so much electronics in there. Um, yeah, wonderful. So uh, I've never, I've actually never been a Porsche fan, but yep. now I would. I would definitely buy one. 
What yeah. was that thing that Bryce came round in that night when he did? Oh, the Bryce show? turned up with a. Uh, that was an uh, interesting colour. Was it the mm. a, a green? Was it green? No, it wasn't it was, green. It, it was, was black uh, with orange black hints. with orange hints. A uh, yeah, GD3 RS. Mm. Yeah, yeah uh, with GD3 RS number plates. <laughs> nice. So there you go. Typical gay boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brycey. Thanks for lunch. Thanks for lunch, mate. It's good. Yeah, no, he's all right. He's good. Uh, he, he, he had a good run on. The he weekend. did have a good run. In he, fact, we've well. neglected we to, to about that. Third on the podium. Yep. Um, had a had a. Do you reckon he did his most mega start ever at uh, in the first race, um, and then did the most huge flat spot down to the canvas on uh, turn two, and then limped around 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 <laughs> for the next few races to uh, laps to come fourth. So it was pretty good with a with a flat spot. And Craig, as you know, once you flat spot it, you're going to keep flatting it, aren't you? Exactly right. Uh, race two was ordinary, and uh, then the TV showed race three, where he uh, managed to get uh, the uh, outside rear hooked up on that uh, on the outside of the curb, sort of coming on the exit of turn four, where um, yeah, um, James Moffat, a, a previous Ute driver, decided <laughs> to lean a little bit against uh, Karate and push him off into the grass. Um, but yeah, it was some some pretty good stuff there, and uh, yeah, he came fourth in that race and. Uh, and third for the weekend, some quite a good vision from the camera at the it back was, of his car. Beto had a bit of a problem, and uh, it also showed uh, quite graphically how uh, how sensitive those cars are at the front. That um, if you lose a splitter, uh, the the whole thing, package goes away, and if you touch someone, your radiator as well. <laughs> and usually, if your radiator goes away, then two or three cars behind go away on the yep. fluid that it's putting down. <laughs> so <laughs> it's an interesting package. But what a what a difference. A year makes. Ferrari relations have never been better with McLaren. Is that right? Well, absolutely. And just this week, yes, absolutely. At the Italian Grand Prix, uh, Ronnie met up with uh, Ferrari president uh, Luca Luca, and uh, at the team's principal meeting, and they said, look, uh, we love each other because uh, Luca had uh, joined Ferrari Formula One at the tender age of six and in 1973 straight into formula one whereas ron dennis had arrived into the sport in 1966 well 30 or 40 years later they still enjoy the same pattern a passion and um they're planning on having a lovely dinner together after brazil oh i wonder who'd be paying and uh would the price of the dinner be less than 100 million US? probably not i wouldn't have thought so now talking about ron dennis did you see that thing uh about him um giving a speech prior to the uh, Italian Grand Prix. And uh, he was talking about uh, when he was a mechanic for Jack. And... Um, good. <laughs> no. Oh, Jack. Jack who? Jack who never moves his lips. Who is it? <laughs> Sir Jack. Oh. TB's <laughs> dad. Yeah. It was very same. And uh, when he was mechanicing for him, apparently the, the, the spa round um, in 1968, they actually lost one of his cars which I thought was pretty tricky. Apparently it was in the back of the transporter. Back in those days, they didn't have, um, uh, didn't do any work actually in the pits at the circuit. They all used service stations scattered around the outside of the track. It was somewhere in they, France. And um, they uh, they put the, 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 the car in the transporter, apparently. Not particularly well, obviously. They must have been in a bit of a hurry. <laughs> Got Thirsty the they were in those days. <laughs> Got hey, to the track. Hey, James, Huddy, can that? I have another cigarette? And they got us a scotch. So, yeah. And they had to go back and find it. And there it was in the middle of the road with all these people gathered around it. And they just put it back on the transporter, took it to the track, and apparently Sir Jack never knew anything about it. 
So there you go. Quite a funny little anecdote. But, uh, somewhere in France, though. Somewhere in France? I believe. Is that right? Yep. Because I heard everyone running after him, calling, <laughs> Jack, <laughs> La Fate. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. It was. Oh, well, Lafitte, Lafitte. Formula One, they're backstabbers. You know that. Even though you we want to get that. there, it's like a nightclub. You want to get to the top level that you don't have the pass to to find out if the women are hot. And once you get there and you've bypassed and got round the nightclub you know, security, you go, I don't really want to be here anyway, but I just wanted to get there. Well, that's exactly what it's like in Formula One because, you know, days after, um, uh, uh, Sebastian, the two Sebastians, how would it be? Sebastian, Sebastian. Hassel, wasn't it? And Toro Rosso having the same first name, uh, which reminds me of the Brabham team when there was Martin Blundell, Martin Brundle and Mark Blundell. That's and right. they were Japs. They'd be Brundle and Brundle. <laughs> the Japs would be totally confused. Who's winning a race? Mark or Martin? Anyway, he's won the race. Good on him for winning that race. And it was a pretty good race too, certainly in a land of his own. Well, all the teams have gone. We need parity. They're obviously got too much horsepower in that car. Unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you that here they have said that suddenly they've all gone up and said, look, it's just not okay because the the Ferrari-powered ST3 engine in uh, the the Toro Rosso is way superior to the Renault-powered car of Red Bull Racing, the sister company like, you know, Daytrick. Don't you giving the money to both of them? Okay, well, who would make such a wild comment like that? None other than the Christian Horner, the Red Bull boss. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what irony is that? I mean, they didn't say anything in the reverse direction. No, exactly. So that's very smelly stuff as far as I'm concerned. And what's more, they're concerned because... There was a ruling that you can't you can't uh, upgrade the engines until two thousand and three. Of course, reading through the rules, the fine details are such that at the FIA's discretion, you can change the engine if it reduces costs or improves reliability. Now, who knows whether improving reliability will in, in, increase horsepower? No, there's something of oh, this rocker will last longer, therefore it's lighter and so on. It must be good good for business. But uh, you can make uh, movements forward in uh, the use of fuel, lubricants, airbox, and exhaust design. I'm sure Max Mosley will have something to say about that in the future. Finally, another another little bit of a, a quandary. Now, mate, you know that uh, there's there's always in motorsport there's been paths to where you're going. In supercars, where do you start? Formula Ford, maybe you do a bit of production car or Formula Three, or you do Utes and go through, and then you get to supercars. That would be the theory. Um, money attached in Europe. Formula Ford, Formula 3, GP2, previously Formula 3000, on to Formula 1. Now, Formula 2 has been instigated, and I'm not sure if you're aware about that, uh, Craig, but they, they decided to, um, the FIA said, look, let's reinstate Formula 2, and we want you to build a car that and runs the whole season on uh, 300,000 euro. Well, people are spending that on karting. <laughs> but finer details of it is such that the tenderer for the Formula 2 car had to provide the cars, maintain the cars, and 
the cars would also be pulled out of a, a pool, so no one had the same car. Yep. Well, the tender's been won by uh, none other than uh, Jonathan Palmer, who owns five circuits in right? the U- UK, and um, including Snedderton yep. and some others, and his motorsport vision company has won the tender to provide those cars, uh, which is absolutely great. So uh, who knows who he'll be using? Will it be what, panels for chassis? Raynard, Lola... Mm. Who else makes shit? That'd probably be about it over there. Yeah, yeah. that's it. But um, interesting to see. So, Craig, I'd be asking you, do you think uh, you would be going the, the cheap route to Formula 1 through a Formula 2 car for 200 to 50 to 300,000 euro, or will you be going through the GP2, uh, both gaining a super licence, to Formula 1 with the 3 million euro plus? I mean, remember, parties are better on the GP2 side. <laughs> Don't know, it just depends on how rich the old man was. Well, well you know, you, you've got to think about your own budget here. Okay, That's well... Right. I mean, if you're starting from scratch, where would you go? F2. Good. Good. Thinking. <laughs> Unbelievable. So does that mean we're actually going to see some people with talent rather than money in F2 then, if that takes off? <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, but it should be entertaining. And I suppose the final thing uh, of the evening, we just we should just wrap up um, on the success of Stefan Vettel. And, and, and obviously, uh, you watched the race on the weekend. What did you think of his performance in the wet, Craig? I think he was awesome. Um, pretty composed, really, when you're leading, leading and possibly and then winning your first Formula One race. He mm. did a great job. I think made one mistake. But the race was exciting the whole way through. Lewis was... <laughs> Pretty awesome. Again, very rough. I, I think he was probably a little bit over-aggressive at times, but um, good race, good one to watch, actually. It's nice to see a Formula 1 race with a bit of action. The, it, uh, the TV coverage was, was quite good, and I watched the HD coverage at 9.30, and uh, yeah, you, uh, which is nice to be able to, well, after if you've the one-hour yeah, one prelude, it. it certainly it beats yeah. me waiting 11.30 to sort of see yeah. the start. And the chicanes, they, they were definitely... They were definitely getting on the ripple strips and then more, and they've got some like almost like triangular speed bumps, which are quite wide. But I suppose when you weight the car, you, you're almost lifting it off there, so you, you aren't damaging the underneath of the car. Yeah, I watched uh, Lewis go through there a few times in that super slow-mo, and in days gone by, you'd think they'd break the cars. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, they are bouncing them around, so it was good to see the... And that super slow-mo is awesome, isn't it? Oh, and it's, it's nice to see Formula 1s with a bit of attitude, a bit of uh, yeah. oversteer, understeer, wheel spin, everything. It yeah. was uh, great. It was really good. Yeah, I think between Spa and Monza, um, with the wet weather, uh, it's uh, Formula 1 is back to the, the, for the faint-hearted. And if you've got balls, you're going to go good because uh, it's really showing that it's... Uh, it's I think Formula 1's become exciting again. Yeah, it it's has. back to yeah. where it was 10 years ago. And um, it'll be nice to see Mark Webber finally have a good run, won't it? Uh, eventually. I thought he was set for a good one on the weekend. I, what happened there? Did I talked know? himself out of it. Did he? Yeah, because he was right there and then he wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. Frustrating. Very frustrating. Mm. Craig, thanks for coming on the show today. Episode 93 of Radio Hot Lap. Only, a, only about what, half a dozen episodes, if my maths is correct, before we have a... Um, have the final show. Uh, with International Paulie, who'll be coming back, uh, the media director for Super League Formula, who this week uh, goes to the second round at Nürburgring. Nürburgring yeah. I was hoping to get him on the show, yeah. and I spoke to him last night, but he said, look, I'm just... I'm, I'm, He's I'm, too flat out. Yeah, I'm too flat out, you know, yeah. doing things. But he will be here uh, at Christmas time, at the very least, to be able to give us a full rundown on how the first year of Super League Formula, the soccer meets motor racing uh, Formula One championship in the off-season. Mm. So it should be good. Thanks yeah. again, Craig, and best of luck at Bathurst. Thank you yeah, for having me. Yeah, all the best, Craig. Yeah, have a great, have a great weekend. Have a great weekend.
Great to see you again. (laughs) Lovely to see you again. It's been so long. (laughs) I suppose it's time for us to go out to dinner. Well, it might be too. Somewhere. Expensive. Expensive. Why am I paying? Oh, yeah, it must be. Okay. (laughs) Good night, viewers. Good night, viewers. Good night. Uh, And folks, good night. And and Zuka, Mark, (laughs) Jackie, see ya. (laughs) Well, viewers, it's a little extra show time tonight. We didn't think we'd be getting any call-ins, but it's Keithy George. No, it's not. He's fucked off. (laughs) It's back again. (laughs) Who is it? Keithy George, that's who it is. (laughs) (laughs) Keithy Ellsgood, how are you, son? I'm good, mate. Yourself? Good. Uh, JP's here and uh, and, uh, your competitor, Craig Dantas. Oh, mate, geez, you're, it's a full hour. It is. <laughs> How are you, boy? Good, Jack. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good, very good. Keithy, what's gone on down at the Dapto Dogs today? Well, mate, not clear what happened to the Dapto Dogs, but um, I had a drive in one of the monster trucks today and uh, got to say it was quite an experience. It was uh, a bit of fun jumping over uh, five cars. Uh, mate, it was we were all having fun until uh, until Grant's last run where he he did a jump over the cars and just had a little bit of an awkward landing and um, next thing we knew he just shut the uh, the truck off and um, pretty much climbed down from the cockpit, landed on his feet and then uh, landed on his bum pretty heavily. He just apparently when his when his feet just hit the ground, just a huge pain shot through his lower back and. Uh, Basically, we were just there for probably about an hour until the ambulance arrived, just, you know, trying to comfort him as best we could and um, got him off to the hospital. Unfortunately, he's got a, uh, a compressed fracture of the L1. No, anything to do with your back, Jack, uh, no, no rhymes intended is uh, <laughs> um, no, not, not good. He was in some serious pain today and I suppose as told uh, Craig this earlier in the show um, and uh, he, he was quick to realise immediately that uh, uh, Michael Patrese needed a co-driver. Have you beaten him to that? Yeah, well look mate, I was thinking all the way home to the truth. I'm thinking, God, when would be the right time to hit up Jim Morton? <laughs> 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 you know, it's just one of those things, obviously. God, you know, it's going to be someone, misfortune is going to be someone else's luck. He'd look good in the green Ford, though, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and yeah, you would. I beg your pardon? He'd look good in the green Ford, though, wouldn't you? Well, you know, mate, oh, that's, that's pretty much the only thing I've got sorted out for Bathurst, but, um, <laughs> you know, well, uh, I'm sorry, guys, I'm a little bit stumped there. Well, the, the way I look at it, Keithy, is you're not getting a drive now, 
And if he says no, there's no change, so you might as well ring him and just find out whether it's going forward from there. It's always a Dalmatian that wins it. Now, Jackie, um, uh, the bath is coming up for you and uh, with the Utes. Uh, and then uh, after that, it's uh, the tarmac season arrives, uh, where you will be uh, bringing the uh, Coopers Sneaky Piranha um, with new camshaft out to uh, the uh, Mount Buller Sprint. Now, have you found yourself a decent co-driver this year, or are you stuck with a tosser? Mate, I'm stuck with a tosser, unfortunately. Um... <laughs> Again. you'll have to invite him around this year so I can get to meet him. <laughs> That'll be good. And then we'll go for the trifecta at Lake Mountain Sprint. Well, you dislike him as much as what I would. <laughs> hey, well, just don't bring a mirror, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, listen, oh, hang on a sec, Jack. Um, yeah, salad sandwich, please. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, look, Jack, I'm going to have to let you go there. I've got a salad sandwich coming. <laughs> okay, mate, no problem. See you later. Cheers, Jack. I had to I had to do it then because he always gets me with the salad sandwich trick. <laughs> Good night viewers. Good night viewers.